Welcome to the East Coast Believers Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Norm. Let me, let me get into this, what, uh, this series that I'm in the middle of with you. And it's called the How-To Guide to Christianity. And we're taking this really out of a book in the New Testament, the book of James, and it's really a lot of uh, scholars and theologians would, would call the book of James the New Testament book of wisdom. In fact, they would say its sister book is the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And what James did is he's a pastor writing to a congregation. Much of the other uh, epistles in the Bibles are, are, are written from an apostle to churches at large, and they deal with a lot of theology and some practical stuff. Well, James does something that no other writer does in the New Testament. He doesn't deal with theology. He just deals with the practical side of Christianity. He says, he's talking to believers. He said, if you want to have authentic Christianity, authentic faith in the Lord, there's a process that has to take place, and he lays it out for you. In other words, he said, I'm not, in other words, I'm not going to let you get away with just saying you're a Christian, going to church, or saying you believe in something. He said, I want you to prove it by the way you live. So here's the book of James. This is what he's attempting to do. He's trying to turn your belief into action, and your actions into a new way of living. He said, that there's a group of believers that aren't just going to get say, I'm a Christian so I can get to heaven. I think, and I'm so proud of this church, I am so proud of the way you guys are as Christ followers. We don't just go to church on Sunday, but we're making a difference on planet Earth. And, and, that, and that's why we exist. And I, I think, honestly, that there's, there's a... I do a lot of studying and I go preach at conferences and pastors' meetings and that sort of thing and get ready, other churches. I, I, I typically speak to, to ministers primarily and, and, um, and there, I study the cultures and the trends that go on and, and one of the culture, cultural trends that we're struggling with in America today is that they say that the modern day church is at a decline. It's declining. But at the same time they say it's increasing, which almost seems like a dichotomy. It's declining yet increasing. And this is what they're saying. Religion is on a decline. People going to church out of obligation is at a decline. People that are, go to church because my mom and dad went to church and because that was my grandparents' church and my parents bought a pew in the 60s and so I own that pew and that's why I go to church and if I don't go to church, you know, they're gonna know I'm not there and I'm gonna get in trouble. That's at a rapid decline. But what's at a rapid increase right now are true Christ followers. Churches are exploding all over this nation for people who say, I'm not just serving God so I can get a ticket to heaven. That's a great benefit, but I'm serving God because he's my master and he's my savior, and I want to make a difference on planet Earth. That's at a rapid increase right now. And I just want to say to you, Dean and I, we are so proud to be able to call ourselves pastors of East Coast Believers Church because this church is full of not a bunch of religious people who just want to get to heaven, but a, full of a bunch of Christ followers who are making a difference on this planet. And I am honored. I truly am. I'm not just saying this to be nice. I am truly honored to be your pastor and to serve you. You are making a difference around the world. And uh, I, just, I just know that you're, the book of James is going to speak to right where you are. And today, the third part of this series, and I'm going to go for about probably six or seven weeks. We're going to end it with healing. And, uh, but, but James talks about a subject that I think all of us are going to relate to this. And I'm going to pull you right out of James chapter 1 and verse 26. We're going to start here. And this is what James wrote to the church. He said, if you claim 
to be religious. But don't control your tongue. You are only fooling yourself. Now, I know there's nobody in here that has any problem whatsoever with the words that escape your mouth. I know none of us have any problem with our thumbs texting things that shouldn't be texted. And in fact, in the Living Bible, he gets a little deeper. He says, anyone who says he is a Christian but doesn't control his tongue, here, here it is, he's fooling himself. And his religion isn't worth much at all. And those are some pretty strong words. And he's going to unpack it in James chapter 3. A chapter later, he's going to unpack it a little bit more. And this is the, the longest teaching on words found in the Bible. There's lots of teaching in words on, in the Bible. And in fact, Mark 11, 23 and 24 is probably the most concise taught by Jesus. But this is just the longest. Of all the subjects in the book of James, and there's many subjects. There's subjects on there about how you treat each other. Subject, there's a subject on there about being doers of the word and not hearers only. There's a subject in there about tests and trials and temptations. There's subjects in there about profiling people based upon uh, their economic value or the color of their skin. Deals with all that. He deals with how you handle your finances and how you handle your money. He talks about uh, a pr your prayer life. Talks about healing in there. But the the subject that's talked about the most is what I'm going to share about today. And in fact, this is mentioned 14 times in the book of James. 14 different times it's talking about your words, the words that come out of your mouth. James chapter 3 and verse 1 starts the meat of it. I'm going to read it all, and then we're going to unpack it all together. Are you ready? James chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for, he who will, for, he, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also, and could also control uh, in ourselves in every other way. I mean, no, if you could get this under control, you could fix your marriage. Come on, is the Bible right or wrong? If you could get this under control, you could fix areas of your life, your finances, you could fix relationships, your home. You could, you could control every area of your life. Verse 3 says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the, wheresoever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. You can't control the storms, but you can control the direction you head in a storm. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that, make, that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And I, some of us believe that to be true. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not, this is not right. How many know that our tongue can get us in trouble? That the words that escape our mouth can get us in trouble? I'm not even going to ask you for a show of hands if this applies to anybody, because what I know is this applies to all of us, including me. Words can get us in trouble. And here's the premise of this chapter. If we manage our tongue, 
we can change the course of our life. But if we don't manage our tongue or tame our tongue, it will not be tamed. The tongue is not going to be tamed on its own. It will not be tamed unintentionally. In other words, nobody gets a head start on this. We all have to do. In other words, it's in our human nature to say the wrong thing. It's in our human nature to have problems with our tongue. You don't ever have to teach a one-year-old or two-year-old to say the wrong thing. It comes natural to them. Your kid says, when you ask them to do something, their response is no. No one taught them that. It's just on the inside of them. You don't believe me? Go into any preschool. I know you've got a perfect kid. All of us have perfect kids. But go into a preschool and watch a two-year-old grab a toy off another two-year-old. You're going to get a whack over its head. Because they're going to fight back for that toy. Why? It's, it's human nature. And what James is saying, hey guys, your words, your tongue, it controls the direction of your life. And if you don't manage it, it's going to wreck or ruin your life. Has anybody in here ever said anything without thinking and had a regret? A few of you. Here's what, James, here's what the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 11, verse 3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. <laughs> but here's the rest. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. <laughs> ever experienced that, anybody? Here's, I love this prayer by, by David. He said, help me, Lord, to keep my mouth shut and my lips sealed. <laughs> I mean, help me, Lord. James is saying the quality of your life is a direct result of the words that come out of your mouth. And so what I want to do is I want to give you some Bible facts about the tongue. We just read all six of them that I'm going to give you. We just read them in those ten verses. I'm going to break those down. And then the second half of this, we're going to go through what I call speech therapy. And I'm going to give you three biblical truths that if you will apply to your life, you can get control and start taming your tongue. You can manage the words that come out of your mouth because it's affecting every area of your life. Now, in the natural, the human tongue, Wikipedia says this at least. This is interesting. Uh, a, a, a lady's tongue, a female tongue, it averages two and a half ounces. A male tongue is three ounces. I don't figure that one out at all, but that's what the Bible, that's what Wikipedia says. Okay? The average human tongue is 10 centimeters long. Now, that's some natural facts about the tongue. Let me give you some biblical facts that James just read about the tongue. Number one, he said this. If you can control your tongue, you can control every area of your life. You can change the direction in any area of your life, in your marriage, in your family, on your job, your home. In other words, if you want to have a good home, make it a good home with your mouth. If you want to have a good marriage, make it a good, because I've had people say, uh, marriage is broken. Let me just tell you something about marriage. It's not broken. You know why? God's the one that invented it. God invented marriage, so marriage can't be broken. We, we might be broken, and so if you want a good home, it's, not, it's probably not you have a bad home, you've got a bad mouth in the home. And I, you know, oftentimes, you know, dealing with marriages, and I, I, I oftentimes teach in this, the seven most powerful words in any relationship comes down to this, I was wrong, will you forgive me? I was wrong, will you forgive me? And it, what, what James is saying, the tongue is small, but it's powerful as it relates to its ability to change our life. It's the smallest of all organs. It's not as big as the heart or the lungs 
are the liver, are the pancreas, the brain, but it has the ability to change and affect your life like, like no, no other organ. And so James is going to break it down for us and tell us some facts about the tongue. Number one, if you can control your tongue, you can control every area of your life. The second thing he says about your tongue is this, that it is powerful. And he relates it to like this. It's like putting a bit in a horse's mouth. A five-inch steel bit can control a 2,000-pound, six-foot-tall animal that has muscle upon muscle that can run a sustained speed of 25 miles per hour for a long time. All of that can be controlled with a little five-inch piece of steel that if you put it in the, in the mouth of the horse, you can control something that's so powerful. In other words, he's saying your words are powerful that it can control the direction of your life. It can change the atmosphere in a room. And you can walk into a room and someone can speak a good, a good word and it'll change the atmosphere or the tone of the room. Someone can walk in a room and speak a negative or mean word and it'll change the atmosphere and the tone in that room. A simple word can change the future of a child. A simple, I love you, I care about you, or I hate you, you'll never amount to anything. Those words, he's saying, they are so powerful. Now, how many of you have been impacted in a positive way by East Coast Believers Church? Good. Let me tell you the story behind our church. Dean and I were on staff at a ministry, and we had risen up through and promoted, and we became director of a Bible school. And, and my job was a dream job. I was staff pastor at a church, but also oversaw a Bible school and had, I wouldn't say unlimited, but I could travel anywhere I wanted in the world and preach and start Bible schools. And I worked at a great organization and uh, had a lot of influence there. And, and uh, in the midst of all this, I felt like God was telling us to leave all that and start a church. So I went, Dean and me prayed, went and saw a friend, said, I think we're going to go start a church. And my friend responded to me, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard you say in my life. He said, why? You've worked so hard to get where you are. Why? I went and saw another friend. And they said, I suggest you go back and pray. That can't be God. I went and saw another friend. And I said, this is what we're thinking about doing. He says, where? I said, I think we're going to go to Orlando. He goes, who do you know in Orlando? I said, I don't know anybody in Orlando. But I'm sure someone's going to want us to come. <laughs> he said, don't go where nobody knows who you are. Go where somebody wants you. And so myself and Pastors Rob and Rachel, Ben and Tina and a few others kind of moved down here. And funny thing is, is this was a Winn-Dixie at the time. They moved in apartments over there. We, we moved in a home right down the street at Lake Sivaloma, all within a quarter of a mile, not knowing this was going to be our church one day. And, and so our grand opening service was at the Holiday Inn. Now it's called the Doubletree at UCF on University across from UCF. And we advertised it on television, and we had big plans. Speakers came in, and, and our first night, I'll never forget it, 86 people came to our grand opening service the first night. Now, here's the problem with that. It seems great. 86 people came, but 86 friends of mine from out of town visited me that first night. <laughs> That's the truth. So I'm standing there 
in the aisle. We start, Dean is up here doing, singing, doing her thing, and speakers were there, and, you know, and lots of people were there, packed out house, but no one, none of you were there, just our friends. And I'm standing here right where Pastor Gwen in that aisle, and then my father's over here. And this was about 15 years ago. And so I'm sitting there, everyone's worshiping, I got my hands raised, but in my mind, I'm hearing those words that people spoke to me. That's the, this is the stupidest thing you could have ever done in your life. Don't go to Orlando. Go where people want you. Before we started this church, we got three phone calls from three different successful churches that asked us to be pastors of their church. And I thought, why? Or why didn't I go to Colorado like they asked me to? Another thought came. Someone said a good meaning thought. They said, Norm, go. If you don't make it, come back here. You always have a job. Well meaning. All those thoughts are coming through my head. And I literally felt like a thousand pound weight was starting to crush me. I thought about my friends that came down here and moved. I thought, what about them? What am I going to do? No one's here. All my friends that came and visited, 86, are leaving on Wednesday and it's going to be us by ourselves. And then just at that moment, those words were coming to me. My father stepped across the aisle. He whispered in my ear something I'll never forget. He said, Norm, God told you to do this, and you and God together can do anything. Those words, those words that were spoken at that moment were powerful. They talked a young man who was thinking about quitting into staying. Words are powerful. The second thing he said about words, the third thing he said was our words are directional. He said they're like a rudder in a ship. You've got these big, massive cruise ships. They're seven, ten stories high. They're thousands of tons that can hold five and six thousand people that have restaurants and pools and, and multi-levels and all. All of that is turned by a little wheel that's attached to a rudder. And it can control the ship and the direction. It's amazing what he's saying is, it's amazing how something so small, your tongue, can control something with so much potential. I've told this story before, but it bears repetition. I would never tell a story like this without asking permission. And I have permission from this person. He's, in, he's one of my best dear friends. He's in a small group in, of ours. And, and years ago, I think he's in eighth grade, grew up in a home and his parents were struggling and I think some with alcoholism and, and uh, just, just wasn't very wealthy and was a little different. And, and a teacher spoke over, I think it was eighth grade, hey, you'll never amount to anything and said it in front, of the church, in front of the school. My friend now, eighth grade, believed that. That I'll never amount to anything. Must be true. He said it affected the course of his life all through high school. He believed that about himself, heard that. You'll never amount to anything. Until he got a job. Out of high school, college, get a job. Selling sunglasses. A leader, a boss, a supervisor said to him, hey, I believe you can do anything you put your mind to. In his words, he said, it was like a curse lifted off his life. And all of a sudden, a blessing came on him. That I can do anything. That's how powerful words are. The fourth thing James said about, I'm giving you Bible facts. We're going to get into speech therapy in about five minutes. The fourth thing he said was this, that your words are impacting. 
it's like a spark that a little tiny fire can set a whole forest on fire. You can have a little tiny, it's always amazing, you see these big wildfires that spread throughout the, like a national park, and they burn hundreds of thousands of acres, they burn, and it starts with someone like flicking a, a, a cigarette out the window or leaving a campfire unattended. Something so small could burn up what took tens and 50, 100 years to kind of grow. It's all destroyed because someone was careless with a spark. In other words, your words go further than you think. They have lasting impact, positive or negative. And I'm just going to throw this in. I can't believe I'm going to do it, but it's going to help somebody. It's not just your words, but it's your thumbs too. You're texting away. You're shooting them zingers. Zing, 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 zing. You can say it. They're not in front of you. Social media, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. You start zinging Twitter, zinging these zingers out. I mean, you're not helping anybody. You're hurting everybody. Because why? You forgot that your words were impacting. It sparks and creates a fire. James also said this. This is the tough one. This is what I want to throw in the towel myself when I read this. James chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, but no human can tame the tongue. Here's another Bible fact about your tongue. The tongue is humanly untamable. In other words, you, you can't tame it. You can't do this with a, uh, a little help of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this without God's help. You've been trying to tame it with self-control. Guess what? It's not working. According to the Bible, it's untamable. In other words, if you don't get help from God, you're going to struggle with this. To which many of you say, hey, if it's untamable, well then, then let it go. I get it. But here's what I would say. A lot of you are born again, you're saved. I'm so happy, last service, three or four people got born again in our first service. They didn't save themselves. You can't save yourself. You have to receive it by grace through faith. Like grace paid for, but faith receives it. Well, you can't fix your tongue by yourself. You can't save yourself, but with God's help and a little bit of yielding, you can. It's divinely tameable. The sixth fact about the tongue is this. I couldn't think of a better way to say it. So here's what I put. The tongue is two-faced. It's two-faced. Because sometimes it, it blesses and sometimes it curses. Sometimes it builds up and sometimes it tears down. And James, you can almost read his frustration when he wrote this. He struggled with this. He's like, man, because it ought not be. Because like you're blessing and you're cursing. And it, it's kind of like this. He said, he says it's like, it's like an orange tree and you go to get an orange, there's an apple on it. Something's not right. He said it's like going to the ocean and it's fresh water. Going to a lake and it's salt water. He said something's not right. James is confused. He's perplexed. He said how can you bless God in church and raise your hands and then you got to go to that long line down the hallway and someone skips you and you curse them. Come on, preaching way back in your shout and I know that. I knew I wrote, when I was putting this together, I said, oh, it's going to be so quiet. He said, it, it ought, this ought not be. He says, you have the, because I struggle with this too. 
I wake up, Dean and I, we wake up and we do our reading and I'd go in the shower. I remember a couple years ago on Easter, probably four or five years ago now on Easter, I'm in the shower and I'm in there singing and worshiping, getting ready for service. We, we were, this is back in our old facility. We had a Saturday night. We did four services on Sunday. And uh, Saturday, and so we had a great service that I'm in there singing. And so Dina comes in. I say, good morning, darling. Good morning, princess. How are you? She says, fine. I says, everything okay? She says, I'm tired. I said, why? And she goes, you were snoring last night. <laughs> so I'm in the shower. I'm worshiping God. I'm like, I don't snore. I never heard myself snore. I told her, I never heard myself snore one time in my entire life. I said, so this is a, I go from worshiping, how are you blaming me for you being tired? Because I'm not sure none of you ever got an argument on the way to church ever. There's a special demons that are released from hell on the way to church. And especially when it comes to your kids waking up and finding their shoes. There's a shoe-hiding demon that's only available on Sunday mornings. And so I went from, good morning, darling, good morning, princess, to I am just, I can't believe you're blaming me for you being tired. James has said, hey, this tongue, it's two-faced. It's directional. It's impacting. It's powerful. So what, we, what I'm telling you is we need speech therapy and I want to give you three things that James says that we can do but before you throw in the towel and say man I can't do it I just can't let me tell you what the psalmist David said Psalms 19 and verse 14 he said let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and I want you to like, I want you to kind of look at this a little bit in your sight, God. So what I'm asking you to do is to consider not letting your mom and dad or your grandparents or your ethnicity be your standard, but let God be your standard with your words. Because here's, here's what I know you're going to say. Well, I'm, I'm Italian. You know what? Let me tell you, Italians, the Irish go, I'm Irish. The French say, I'm French. That's just who we are. Everybody has, I'm Indian. I'm not just Indian, I'm Cherokee. And everybody wants to blame somebody. That's just the way it was in my house. Well, the Bible says, let it be in your sight, O Lord. And the rest of this verse says, and he tells you, not in your own strength, but in his strength. His redemption. Like We don't have to do this on our own. James says it like this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick. You must be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Here, if you've got an anger problem, here's your answer. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. So I want to break it down and give you three keys real quick on how speech therapy. Number one, here it is. Take your notes, write it down. First thing we need to do is pause. Slow down. Maybe don't say anything. Right? You'll never be wrong about anything you don't say. And I love, I'm going to read a verse to you in a moment. Don't put it up in the book of Job. 
I love the book of Job. I love the way it reads. A lot of poetry. It's probably one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible. And the book of James actually refers to the book of Job and gives us some insight what you're supposed to get out of it. It's not what most people get out of it. Another message. But you know the story of Job. He lost everything. He had a conversation. It starts off the devil and God having a conversation. And then Job, he, as a response to all this, he gives a series of speeches. It's speech one, then there's a reply, and then there's speech two, then there's a reply, there's speech three, then there's a reply. And he gives all these speeches in between. And, and some of his speeches he gives have been some of the most quoted verses in the Bible. One of them most of you have heard is this. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. And you see that at funerals. Well, the Lord took this person because they need another flower in heaven. That's nonsense. God's not using your children or your spouse to put flowers in heaven. He's pretty good on his own. You ever been around the world? He's doing a pretty good job. He doesn't need your peeps to make flowers. Job said some, and it is true, the Lord does give and take away. He gives redemption, he gives health, he gives strength, he gives healing, he gives provision, he takes away poverty, lack, sickness, disease, he does all that. But Job said all this stuff, and at the end of Job, I just find this verse so comical. In verse three it says, Job said, I'm speechless, in awe, words fail me. I should never have opened my mouth. Anyone ever felt that way before? Here it is, I've talked. Too much, way too much. I'm ready to shut up and listen. I think that's just so powerful. Like, we gotta be quiet sometime. And I love this acronym for wait. And here it is. We should pause, wait. Ask yourself, why am I talking? Because if, if, if we believe the Bible, I know you do, Proverbs 18, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We wouldn't let a lot of things escape out of our mouth if we thought there was death and life in them. The second thing is this. Let me back up. I want to read this, and this is not my quote. I got this out of a marriage book. I just don't know which one because it's in my notes from a long time ago. And so I don't know who to sign this to, but it's really good. And so after today, I said it. Um, but no behavior is more self-centered when we refuse to listen and demand to talk. And the reason I want to throw that in there, it's an old, old quote, and I'm not sure who said it, but because social media is creating a bad habits in our life. Where we're allowed to talk and say anything we want without listening. And we take those habits and put them in our relationships and they're going to, and, and they're going to pay the price for it. Second thing for speech therapy. Can you got two more minutes left with me and I'm going to wrap it up. Ponder. We got to ponder. We just got to stop and think. You've heard it said before, there's people who think before they speak. There's people who think while they speak. And there's people who think, unfortunately, after they speak. All out of four. There's people who never think. And, and we just got to ponder. It, and someone says, well, you know, yeah, but I just want to, listen guys, it's better to give answers from the bottom of your heart rather than the top of your head. Just I'm a, Whatever comes to my mind. The Bible says, Mary pondered these things. Proverbs says, as the man thinketh in his heart. Like ponder, think. That's why the Bible says, think on these things. 
why the Bible says think on what's pure and lovely and true and honorable and of a good report. Whatever is noble, think on those things and speak those things rather than just whatever comes to you. Which, which I know, sometimes I hear Christians go, well, you know my heart. I said that, but you know my heart. Listen, that's an excuse for being a lazy Christian. You know my heart. No, I know what you said. Well, you, you, you know me. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't hide behind, you know what I meant. You know how much I, no, it doesn't work. Number three. Here's the last one. I want to wrap it up with this. And that is to connect with God daily. Connect with God daily. I think this is the most powerful. This for me is the one discipline I have in my life that, that I'm able to do what I do today. Isaiah 6 said this. I'm just talking about your devotions. Here's a great, a great conversation that God had with a major prophet. He's talking to Isaiah, and he wants them to go do something, and this is what Isaiah said. It's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. And I think that's where a lot of us would be today. It's doomed. I'm over. I can't. You kidding? You, you make me mad? I come from a long line of people who have bad tempers and, and cuss. I, I can't change. I can't do it. He said, and, and besides all that, I live among a people with filthy lips. It's not just me, you just see my spouse, my kids. Yet I've seen the king and the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal. He taken from the altar with a pure tongue. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Like, like every morning you can have that experience with God. Now your guilt is removed, your sins are forgiven. Go to the next verse if you would. And then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger? Who will go for us? And he said, I love this. Here I am, Lord, send me. Like one encounter with God went from I'm doomed to okay, I'm the man. We just need an encounter with God. This is, guys, this is the reason. Here's the deal. The Bible says for any man being Christ, he's a new creature. God gives you, it'd be great if God gave you a new tongue. But he doesn't, he gives you a new heart. That's why he said, listen, you don't have an anger problem, you have a heart problem. You don't have a jealousy issue, it's a heart issue. It's, it's a heart thing. Like it's, you're trying to deal with it with self-control and God said, no, let me, let me change your heart. And that's how you get control. I'll tell you the stories, I'm done. I grew up, as you know, if you go to our church, you know I've, I grew up with six boys and one girl in my family and she didn't even count because she had her own wing of the house and she's a princess queen and all that and the rest of us had real jobs and uh, I'm not bitter or anything like that but I paid my own way through college she didn't pay her own way I bought my own first car she didn't buy her own first car and um, I'm not bitter about that but I just want to let you know I slept with four kids in one room she had her own private wing and um, and but my dad had two rules in our house two main rules we grew up strict, and these were only two rules we had. You don't back talk, you show honor to those in authority. And number two is no lying. 
But everything else is on, man, go for it. And so one of those famous sayings was, boys, we'd fight. He said, boys, take it outside. You get blood on your mom's car, but I'm going to kill you. So he'd let us work things out. Truly, to this day, I don't have a problem with submission and authority. I was taught submission at a young age by my brothers through force. I'm telling you the truth. That's just the way it was in the 70s, you know, that's the way it was. And so, and so, you know, I wish they had the anti-bullying campaign then in our home, but they didn't have it. And so I'm number five, and so I usually was beat up on, and, and I learned real quick I couldn't compete with these guys physically. But I, learned, I picked up a bad habit along the way. I started using my tongue, my words, to get at them. Because I couldn't do it physically. So I picked up bad habits of sarcasm, sarcasm, passive aggressive behavior. I mean, that does not work very well when you get married. And I never forget, I just have bad habits. When I was in Bible school, one of our teachers brought this verse that I quoted earlier, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And for the first time, I just, something clicked that my words really had power. And I never forget. Because I, I, at that point, I knew they had power when it came to prayer and to get something from God. I'm not going to confess I'm dying. I'm not going to confess I'm sick or poor. I'm going to do all that. But not when it came to relationships. So I remember walking home from Bible school across the street to my apartment. And God was just doing something in my life. He said, Norm, most of your words are birthed out of insecurity. And you're using them as weapons. And they are powerful. Now I want you to use them to build people. Now I want you to use them in your relationships, in your family. Say stuff like, I'm proud of you. I love you. No one's better at this than you. You are amazing. You are wonderful. You are super. You are great. You are kind. These words carry such power in our homes and on the job and in people's lives. And it all became, all started because God did a work in me. What I'm saying to you is wrap it up with, let God do a work in your heart every day. Thank you for listening to the East Coast Believers Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more info about this podcast or other resources, visit eastcoastbelievers.org.